Welcome to AB Testing Podcast, your modern testing podcast. Your hosts, Alan and Brent, will be here to guide you through topics on testing, leadership, agile, and anything else that comes to mind. Now, on with the show. Hello again, everyone. Howdy. We have a guest here today. Say hello. Hello. This is the one and only, and I'm going to do my best to get this right, Mara Puhiyadavi. We get a, a B plus. I got I got a thumbs up. I got a thumbs up. Super happy to have you here. How are you doing? I'm good. We're all good. I think everyone who has listened to the podcast probably knows who Marit is. She's a huge body of work, presentations, papers, books, blogs. You are, and you've slowed down a little bit over the summer, but you crank out blog posts like nobody's business. And they're all, it's not like, these blog posts that have a little blurb of, oh, hey, I went to the store today and I saw that cheese was was really cheap. Like in-depth, well-written stuff you can learn, uh, which is, I just saying that because it's not what I want to talk about, but such a breadth of knowledge is what I wanted to say. Huge knowledge of testing and of development. I've had a lot of uh, different roles, but I'm curious. I know you moved on from F-Secure a while back, where you were at for a long time, but I'm not sure what you're doing now. So, but how would you do, what do you do or how would you describe what you're doing now? And maybe I'll just, we'll, we'll dig into that as we go. So I took a position as a principal test engineer in a company called Vaisala that does measurement devices. I, I kind of wanted to get into the embedded side of it because I haven't done that yet. And I wanted to figure out if I can still mix up roles even more than I have ever before. So I figured I'd rather uh, have my foot like hold on, on testing that's why that testing part is there. But the principal part is, is giving me a permission to do whatever I like around software development, quality, whatever. And uh, my role kind of right now is more like threefold. I, I work as a tester in one of the teams, one of the cloud-based teams. But then I work with a whole product, kind of like end-to-end. Uh, I think we have about seven teams in that product. So, so get to work with all of those teams. And then on top of that, I get to develop testing around the whole company. We have some hundreds of, of uh, developer people. So, so I, I get to kind of pick and choose what I, what I like to do out of that. Well, that sounds fun. N- not the job for the, for the unexperienced person. It's very similar to things that I've done as, as Brent will probably tell you, uh, which I love. I'm, I'm, I'm happy and jealous, and I think it's a great role to get into. How would you, because I've never have a good answer for this. What if someone comes to you, Mara, and says, I want to do what you do? How do they get started? <laughs> I have no clue. I don't either. <laughs> it's really difficult, actually, to say how to do that. I I think uh, the thing that I needed to learn the most is that uh, you kind of um, create a mix of all kinds of things, that you don't just get stuck on one thing, but you create this kind of like, you know, this week I'm doing this, and the next week uh, you make space for doing something completely different. So uh, kind of making sure that you are never missed in your team, that you don't take a role where you can't be away. And for example, going to conferences was a great way for me to learn to do this. 
kind of like not to create that kind of like, you know, I'm the bottleneck, I need to be there for them to release or any of that. You know, they knew that I'm going to be away because I'm going to be traveling all around the world and speaking conferences. So they needed to kind of figure out how to do things without me. And it also created this idea that, you know, I can be elsewhere doing something else if, if uh, that was something that I deemed uh, best for the company. And again, there's a lot of people that I can talk to to figure out what's best for the company at, at a given time. I, I think you said a lot of, I can't, Brent's picture is so small, I can't see if he smiled, but a lot of the words we love, like we don't want to be the bottleneck. And your description reminded me of, we talk a lot about generalizing specialists or specializing generalists. And and to me, that's what you described. It's like you're a lot about a little, a little about a lot. But also like 25 years, uh, you can be a specialist at first and kind of like pick up things here and there. So it's kind of like this idea that every day when you go to work, you can always learn something new. And it doesn't have to be only about testing. It can be about anything. Like, like if you learn how to cook better, maybe, you know, that might be a useful skill. At least, you know, you get to eat something good if, if you learn to do that better. So it's, it's not like you need only one kind of skills. Uh, and in 25 years, I've had quite many days when I go to work with the attitude of wanting to be something kind of like better than I was before. So I think that's pretty much how you get to the place. Uh, actively learning and and volunteering for for things. Uh, so many comments, and I'm going to give Brent a chance to interject here. But I think you and I both contributed to the uh, around the world with AD Software Testers book, and the article I wrote in there is about this exactly uh, about some advice I was given 20 years ago from a, a, a VP at Microsoft said always put yourself on the steepest learning curve. And which is not being afraid, and my story in there, I won't give the spoilers away, but just not being afraid to take on new things and like even being aggressive about, oh, I'll try, I'll try that. And putting yourself in a position where you can try and learn new things and doing that over and over and over is so valuable. And that's, yeah, I guess uh, I didn't have a good answer, but now after listening to you, maybe I do have an answer to that question. Just try new stuff. And that's what's kept me interested in in, in this field for so long. Yeah, the, the thing I'm thinking about, right, hearing Mark talk, um, it did also reminded me greatly of sort of the generalizing specialist or specializing general, you know, whatever you want to go with the T-shaped person that we talk about so much on the podcast. And what I find myself thinking is, okay, right. We're, we're all in the industry 25 plus uh, years. Right. And, Let's let's imagine some some fresh new um, college student just leaves college, comes and joins our company, and they're like, "Okay, how do I be like you uh, when I grow up?" And part of me goes, "You know what? The context in which we were that fresh out of college, uh, that world I don't think exists at all anymore." And so I struggle with that question because uh, I think the world in which we started, uh, that environment was critical to how we got to where we are today. So part of me thinks, okay, you know, the generalizing specialists, that is going to 
persist and solidify. And there's actually a lot of science uh, and research that agrees with me on that one. But to be like us when we grow up, uh, from from their context, something specific, like a lot of the times it'll be, hey, I want to be like Alan and be a quality coach when I grow up. You know what? Honestly, I don't think that role exists in 25 years. Right? It's something else. That's And so part of me kind of wants to sit back and guide them towards, you know what? That's a great North Star. Let's see what happens. But let's start talking through what's the most valuable thing to do in the next in the next year towards that goal. And then just sort of build build in the how do you stay adaptable? And that's where they learn something every day and all that comes into play. And I think it's really critical. My random two thoughts. There you go. I think there's a lot to that. It's just I we figure out, you know, my I've described my job for a long time. Mark, I'd love to hear your opinion on this is I sort of figure out what's not getting done. And I have a good track record of figuring that stuff out and having the solutions I put in place, whether it's coaching or, or dev work or whatever. I tend to learn how to fill those holes. Yeah. I think of myself uh, kind of around the ideas of inertia and entropy. Like something isn't moving. I make it move. Something is moving too much. I slow it down. I love that. I love that. I love that. So Brett mentioned coaching a little bit, and I wanted to ask you about this uh, because there's a tagline on your website, which says, I make people awesome. And <laughs> yeah. what are some ways you make people awesome? Because I, I love that. So I think over the 25 years, one of the biggest things that caught to me is this idea that um, maybe we should pay attention to the positive a little bit more. It's kind of like a, a thing that testers come with that we notice a lot of bugs and things that are wrong and, and things that need to be fixed. And, and that kind of fills the days. And at some point, I realized that if there's a balance of, of more positive than negative that I notice, it's probably going to be creating better results for me. It's moving me forward to the things that I want to do. And I started really paying attention to all the things, not just the things that were kind of given to me by, by the, the trade that I was supposedly doing. So a lot of the, the turning people awesome is, is working with them and telling them what they're good at. And, and kind of just turning up that good that they have already. So giving them, them positive reinforcement. But also a lot of times it's kind of like noticing things where um, we're doing good things and we don't appreciate them unless someone tells that. I've actually seen people do this elsewhere and it wasn't that easy. Like you made it look easy. And, and since my career has been one where I've been traveling different companies, like every two, three years, I usually change companies and I go and help a new team grow in some way. Uh, what is important is, is that the team is left better after I leave. So it's not about me being there, but it's about them growing. So that seemed like a good uh, way of phrasing what I do. So I try to notice what, what good is going on. Is, this is, of course, what Brent and I talk a lot about with modern testing. So it's uh, you're just much more eloquent about it than we are. She very aptly kind of described... Like it, she got really close, Mark. You got really close to um, 
multiple speeches that I've given my own team. Uh, like, uh, our, uh, you're not a manager now, uh, but I'll just tell you what you just described aptly describes my management style. Um, it, it, I, I, I refer to myself as, as my employees MSP. I'm not their manager, I'm their management service provider. Which, which essentially means I don't fire them, they fire me. They are my customers. My job is to provide management services and there are distinct goals uh, aligned with that. Anyway, it's, um, yeah, I love, I love that approach. I love that style. Um, everybody, so my perspective is everybody already is awesome. It's sort of like, um, when Michelangelo described, I think it was Michelangelo when he carved David, right? It, it, it's he didn't he didn't carve David from his marble. Um, he 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 pulled him out of the marble. It was already there, right? Um, it's just people couldn't see it. He could, and that's kind of my approach as well. It sounds like that's your approach. Uh, it's very much my approach. Uh, for the short while when I was a manager myself, uh, it was interesting to notice how many people who should have been given raises before got them while I was being a manager. So again, they they kept telling me that the thing that I do is mostly marketing. So definitely, uh, uh, the, the perspective is is that it's already there, but someone needs to pay attention to it and and talk about it in a way that others also appreciate. Yeah, the term servant leadership comes to mind, which I've I've read a lot from. Um, I almost said Stephen Sinofsky, not it. Uh, Simon Sinek <laughs> uh, has written a lot about that, and it's a concept been around for a while. But yeah, I that's what I tell my team too. I'm I'm my job is to help you be successful. It's about helping them be successful. Or I like as I like as Brent put it, they're already awesome. Help make them awesome, or help highlight their awesomeness, and pull it out. Yeah, yeah. And something you said also, Marta, is as managers or as leaders, even if you're not managing people, highlighting good things, highlighting awesomeness is really valuable. Yeah, but it's also valuable for the people who get that appreciation, but it's also valuable for the person giving that appreciation. I find at least that uh, uh, for many of the steps that I found difficult to take, kind of like growing and and taking bigger roles and and getting more responsibility, uh, it came with the 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 um, the positiveness. It, it came with uh, enforcing some of that. Of course, still kind of fixing whatever is wrong, but but noticing all the things that are good. Your philosophies align so much with the things we've been talking about. So I wanted to bring up something something you put in Twitter a little while back. And I'm sure you recall the tweet, but you said, I'm reconsidering my position around the need of testers and teams. And as a tester, I am not doing this lightly. I am starting to believe that with agile and learning cycles, developers get smart enough not to need manual testers around. So... What's up with that? I, I, I kind of want to hear more of the background on that and what led you there and, and just more of your thoughts on that. Um, I think that was around uh, when I was changing jobs mm-hmm. and I was looking at my team that I was leaving behind. Uh, 
And I was looking at what the testers needed to contribute at that point. And they really didn't need to contribute much. And to some extent, when one of the testers then became a manager for the team and started this uh, months-long training into uh, the management world and, and no longer had time to do any of the testing, it became really obvious that um, the team wasn't really missing that. So I started thinking around that tweet. I started thinking this that this idea that um, we talk so much with other testers in the testing communities. We talk about this idea that it's so important that someone like us is there. And actually, it's important that someone who cares is there, but it doesn't have to be a tester. And I've seen so many awesome developers taking uh, the role of, of uh, caring for quality and really building in quality and pulling in other people uh, for perspectives, including customers, all of that stuff, kind of like every different kind of perspective that you might imagine, not doing it alone, but being kind of the person who pulls. Uh, it just feels like uh, the framing that we still have, that uh, you must put someone like us in. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And then we carve the, the, the shape uh, into a worse team that has still a place for us. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of times, a lot of times. So I've spent most of my career as a middle manager in test, although I keep saying that and time keeps advancing. So I'm not even sure if that's true anymore. Um, right. There's a, oh, you need more testers because you need more testers. Right. It's sort of a cyclical argument. Um, and so then, you know, what do you, uh, Marit, what are you then uh, saying? Are you saying, and, and I'm going to be uh, purposefully uh, sarcastic and assertive here, but are you saying that customers should be testing uh, the code then? Or are you saying, or are you, you know, as we all know, uh, dev can't be objective. So, you know, it seems like you're saying it's okay to ship bugs. I don't know. I, I feel like devs can be a lot more objective than we give them credit for, especially uh, since they work in these uh, short cycles nowadays where you put things in production and you have telemetry where you're looking at how is it actually behaving in the customer's hands and, and, and you care about it even after you delivered it. So it's not like, like hack and, and, and leave. But it's it's much more kind of like continuously building it and making it something that is worthwhile the time that you put into that. So uh, what I'm mostly saying is is this idea that uh, it really doesn't matter uh, that we would have these specialist testers in our teams. It matters that we have teams, and that in the teams we can collaborate uh, with the other people. And what maybe concerns me most is this idea that, you know, 25 years ago, you talked about this idea that the world was a very different place when we started, when, when I started growing into being a tester. I'd still like to give new people chances of learning software development like I learned by doing it in the companies, taking smaller roles and then bigger roles. And 
that's kind of the position that I leave for um, like junior developers and, and, and testers, junior testers as well. Kind of like, you know, getting into some of the, the easier work first and then very quickly growing into different directions. A million percent agree. Part of my agreement statement is that I have data. I have helped hundreds of developers now learn how to become pretty good testers. Some became great testers, some not as good, but they can learn it and they can be objective. I think I've mentioned, most people know that on my team, we don't have any, I'll asterisk this in a second. We 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 don't have testers. We don't have a dedicated QA team. I do have two people on my team with extensive experience in testing and quality who function as quality coaches for various parts of the team. Uh, because what I've found, and I'm curious what you found here too, is like my boss will ask me, how is our team doing at testing? And I'll say, they're doing all the testing they know how to do, which is good because they're not afraid of it. They're doing testing, they're running tests, they're running lots of tests and not just unit tests. They're actually really testing for things. But as you know, I, I, I think you'd agree, there's always more they could be doing, other ways to think about approaching testing, uh, other test ideas they could use. So we try and help them continually get a few more of those, get them used to evaluating risks so they can figure out which of those tests are most important. And that's, that's an ongoing learning, uh, I don't want to say struggle, ongoing learning challenge. But curious uh, what you think about that, Stephen Bart. For me, it's been more on this idea that um, it's very easy in the team to get in this kind of crunch mode of, you know, you just do whatever you know that you need to do and you do a little bit more of that and then some more and and kind of like, you know, continuously deliver something. Whereas uh, stopping uh, for purposes of quality or for any purposes of growing is, is not as straightforward for people as they would like to think it is. So whether it's a quality coach or some other kind of coach, um, making space for that learning that enables you to grow so much, you can kind of like grow in, in the way that uh, you can be a better version of yourself. So I, I often kind of, I refer to this math idea that, you know, if you're 1% better every single day and 365 days a year, then you're 37.6 times better than you were yourself a year ago. So so uh, nothing is as powerful as learning. And and sometimes looking at software development teams, I think uh, the the quality related aspect that I bring in is is this encouragement that uh, striving for something better and and collecting ideas all around is is worthwhile effort as well, not just crunching code and crunching features and crunching testing into production. So whether it's a quality coach or something else, I don't really care. Uh, I think people have interests that. Uh, drive them more towards testing type of roles first and then growing from there. And I think it would be a shame if we lost all of that potential that we have in those people who are right now doing testing roles. But when I'm teaching new people, like I right now I have a complete newbie for this summer. Uh, uh, she's my kind of like uh, experiment guinea pig. I'm, I'm doing all kinds of things with her and, and reporting on my results. Um, the way that I teach her is already a mix of programming and testing. And it's already kind of like, you know, you go and fix things. You don't just report them. You're always balancing uh, the idea that would you already, would this already be a good stretch for you to fix rather than just uh, report and and then run away and and leave for developers. 
I love that. Yeah, I I I love that. I think that's the right way to to to, to train. I do think I do think anyone in the, in today's world that is uh, highlighting that a tester's job is to report uh, is is saying they're doing a disservice for the younger testers is just a huge under exaggeration there's in my mind there's an element of of it it's it, it's immoral to do such a thing uh in to those younger testers in today's environment right that world is uh, I don't want to re-execute the test is dead <laughs> meme, but that world is very rapidly ending uh, where that's sufficient. Um, and I was thinking through additional what you said, because it reminds me, right, what I see Marit doing is sort of, she's she's living, she's sort of a living personification of agility in today's world she's like okay i'm going to help encourage collaboration i'm going to help encourage bringing out the best of folks i'm going to help encourage ideas she's mentioned short cycles right uh, and sort of evaluating the roi of how people are contributing towards these goals um and she does it with a gentle touch i think this is just absolutely fantastic um for me in Bing, the thing I discovered is that the short cycles is what really, uh, really sort of motivated. Dev has this talent. The problem is that they've never been motivated to use it, right? Uh, the but the short cycles does that, right? It uh, in Bing, I, I've said this over and over again. In Bing, we had the ability within 15 minutes. A check-in would be in prod, and under under um, under version control or version flighting, and a dev would know within another fifteen minutes of how key metrics are performing, and um, and whether or not uh, their feature got pushed to the next bigger flight. And in that world with fast feedback. It's really hard to argue for, you know, large test teams uh, with sort of a, a proactive or prevented, you know, a, a, a prevent this thing from shipping mentality. Uh, that's. Let me rewind your stack just a little bit. I want to highlight one thing from Marit that's. Uh, that could potentially get, I, I do see it get missed on teams. Uh, teams can get addicted to the iteration. Teams can focus so much on deploying 50 times a day that they don't take the time to learn. And something I bring up a lot too is, uh, like you said, that 1% every day ends up being a pretty big improvement over the year. It's We had an episode three or four ago on retrospectives and reminding people don't try and overhaul the team, but take some time frequently. I think this is the 12th Agile Principle. And just 
try and get a little bit better. I asked teams, don't pick one or two or three things to improve. Pick just just one. Start with one. Pick one thing to improve this week and try and do it a little bit better than you did before. You do it at the team level, at the individual level. But I love emphasizing the learning because the, the quality and the agility and the predictability and the delivery cadence are going to improve from, from that probably more than anything else. I think like pretty much for all of my career, I focused on exploratory testing. That's kind of been the thing that I'm always looking at. And over the years, I've really found learning to be the core of it. The kind of like looking at the application or whatever you're looking at. Uh, and and there, it's kind of like your external imagination. It's speaking to you. It's it's telling you what to click and what kind of things to do and where to use your time. And and kind of this this active learning while you're doing things. As an attitude, it's it's the same way that that you kind of approach anything with a, a learning mindset. So I, I find that uh, it's become really key to to whatever I work on is is to look at the way I learn and look at how others learn. And in the last five years, with uh, the pair programming and mob programming, which I nowadays like to call ensemble programming, I saw that. Yeah. Uh, it's been really great way of, of uh, not just speculating with other people what they were thinking while they were testing, but actually seeing if their actions match what they claim they're thinking. So working together and actually testing together is a lot more powerful way of learning about how we learn while we test than anything else I've done before. I, I want to talk with you about mob programming, but I'm going to put a pin in that for just a second because it's not just the tweet I quoted earlier I wanted to talk about. There's a follow-up uh, reply, which I get all the time when I talk about modern testing and how I've helped teams move to having uh, no or few testers on their team. People inevitably come up to me after these talks or after I post something and they say, hey, this is all great. I'm glad it worked for you. But my developers don't want to test. And they, they for whatever reason, they don't feel like it's their job. They, they prefer having a tester to test their work, which I think is pretty close to the statement someone said to you. And then something I've saved because it's a great answer is you said in reply to that, I'd like to have a personal assistant around too. Whether I need one or whether it makes sense for my company's <laughs> business is another thing which is <laughs> much more eloquent and well put than any of the sarcastic flippant answers I've given to that question. Yeah, it still goes into the sarcastic flippant answers category, definitely. <laughs> but sometimes I feel like, you know, uh, that some of the developers that I work with are like uh, people who uh, come to our living room, we eat dinner together, we eat pizza, and then they leave the pizza boxes around. They assume someone else is supposed to pick up the pizza boxes. It's just, you know, garbage ma magically goes away without you doing anything. And not realizing that it's an actual work. There's a lot of labor going into, you know, keeping the, the place tidy and, and remembering which knots are still untied. I, I don't appreciate leaving that to me. <laughs> yeah. And I think it might also oh. be related to, you know... Uh, other things around uh, the the idea that, uh, well, we do notice, it's hard not to notice that uh, my team right now is 50% female. 
Uh, and uh, we have me, the summer trainee, who is a woman, and our UX person, who is a woman, whereas the other three people, the men, are the, the so-called developers. So a lot of times we get also kind of typecasted a little bit into this uh, almost like a secretarial role. And I feel there's so much more that we can do in testing that it's almost like, you know, it's my, my responsibility of, of saying that I'm no one's secretary anymore. <laughs> Oh, I I kind of almost based on what you just said, I kind of almost I love that that pizza box metaphor, but I kind of wish I could temporarily go back to test just to use this new line uh, that you inspired, and it's essentially I want to be able to tell the developer, look, I am not your mother. Clean up your own damn mess. Well, it goes back to her comment earlier about not being the, I mean, even in her current role, yeah. she can't be the bottleneck to do their work for them. When when she's there, of course, they're doing it better and they have more ideas and she's accelerating what they can do. But if she's gone speaking at a conference or enjoying the two weeks of finished summer, that was my slight little dig on Finland, but it's okay. I, I have enough Finnish employees that I can pull that off. But she can be gone and stuff can keep on happening. If you rely on your test team, like <laughs> I've had cases in the past, and Brent, I'm sure you remember these, like, oh, we, we couldn't deploy because the tester was on vacation. Yeah, the I mean, those happen rarely. There, there is a lot on that one. It's like the, 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 the fact that it's interesting. The fact that Mark's team can survive when she goes off the conference is probably, right? I think about my 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 metaphor around type work blocking, right? Hey, she was gone. Uh, the safety net disappeared, and it just so happened no one fell this time, right? It, 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 I think through how we make this more purposeful, how do we make it how do we change the conversation? Like testing is Dev's job. That's the statement I want to make. And, and everyone else who's who's trained in this, our job is to help teach those people how to succeed in that in that world, in that constraint, in that change. That's the change. Right, it, it, short cycles is one of them because people. I, I, I think that's a great way to sort of change the environment so that you don't have to have this this conversation head on, which often ends up being very polarizing. Um, but if you can if you can shift it to very short cycles and. Hey, look! You you get way more way more feedback in shorter time than an army of testers could have provided you, right? And now let's figure out how we take advantage of it. How do we even how do we reduce that cycle time even further? Um, and then it becomes a conversation around all right. How do we change the direction around adaptability? Uh, are we going in the right direction? That's the the heart. When you brought up the iteration stuff uh, earlier, uh, Alan, that's the thing I see is the problem. We we get used to these super short cycles, and it's kind of like going hiking, um, and you're hunched over and you're looking straight down at the ground, right? You you, you don't 
you lose your sense of where you're trying to go with that and with it with so you still have to sort of maintain that hey look put your head up every once in a while making sure you're heading you're still not heading straight toward the edge of the cliff um anyway enough of that i love having marit on here the, 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 i'm actually looking i i was looking at her website i'm looking at an article right now that she published in 2003 titled and she's like oh dear god what is she what is he bringing up titled increasing understanding of the modern testing perspective <laughs> in software product development projects well that predates our use of modern testing oh well Right. And she even has an MTP there, right? The modern testing perspective. I do want to highlight the, and I'll put some links to this uh, when I post this, but just as I said earlier, a massive body of work. You have a page even on, not even, you have an ebook on exploratory testing. You have a page with, I forget what it's called, but it's exploratory testing notes, but it's links to, it's like you've collected all of your articles and, and thoughts on exploratory tests, put them on one page massively valuable. But there's one thing I wanted to talk about as I put a pin in earlier. It's something that I have, other than watching your presentations on it, really no experience. I want to spend a little bit of time talking about uh, mob programming and mob testing. Uh, I've done pair programming and pair testing, but and I've seen your demos of mob, but I'd like to know a little bit more about uh, how you like, where did this come from, and what's been your success, and 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 with that, and and when and why should teams try mob programming? Five years ago, I organized a conference. By the way, conference organizing awesome thing to learn new things, and I needed a keynote, so I invited a guy called Woody Zuil all the way from somewhere around the the ocean, uh, U.S. based. And he would fly to Finland, to Tampere, and he would talk to us for 45 minutes about this crazy idea that you would have a whole group of people on a single computer. They would only be allowed to use that one single computer, and they would all be working together on the same code at the same time in the same space. And I thought it was the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And... One of the things that I've learned about learning is that uh, emotions, kind of how I feel about things, is uh, very much of a kind of a thing that you need to listen to. So when you have a strong emotion, even if it's kind of like, this is ridiculous, saying it's ridiculous without having any experience on that yourself, it doesn't feel like the right thing to do. It's, it's kind of like, it's not as, as uh, thorough or, or honest as, as I would like to kind of hold myself to. So I went to my team and said, I'd like to try this thing I, I just learned in a conference. They pretty much laughed me out. Like, no way, we're going to try that. Uh, over six months, I found the argument with my then team that, you know, you know, humor me, do this just to, you know, keep me happy. And we started doing it so that we would do it every two weeks for a couple of hours. And at first... 
uh, I was convinced I'm going to hate it. Like I wrote this blog post where I talk about this idea that I will hate it. Like I have to spend so much time on this boring code and I don't get to do any of this interesting, you know, user-oriented exploration. And then uh, it, it was really funny to read my own notes because I was publicly blogging all the way through this. Kind of like how I, I really changed my mind about this whole idea of, of sitting there and sneakily, you know, saying like, hmm, we have been half an hour using the same browser. Maybe we should open it in a different browser. And all of a sudden, nothing worked. So kind of like, you know, anything that I would want to try, I could introduce it into that group at that moment. And when we had so many things where I could kind of report that we avoided mistakes and we could do things that we estimated was going to take us like 40 days, we could do it in a day and a half instead. Uh, it started making a lot more sense to me that we would do this. So I took it from there to open space conferences. I learned about how to teach and learn testing in this format. And I've been doing a lot of, of testing courses. This is basically my go-to way of teaching testing nowadays to anyone is just getting them sitting together and doing testing and just giving them different kinds of problems and, and constraints. And, and you get them, them learning uh, a little bit different perspectives. That's so cool. You made it sound so fun. Uh, I have a, a follow-up question. and Well, actually, two follow-up questions. One is, you, even though you thought it was ridiculous and figured it wasn't going to work, you tried it anyway. What gave you the courage to, like, what advice do you have for people who may feel the same way? I think there's been many things in my career so far that I feel that they are ridiculous. Like, for example, I've gone on books saying continuous integration is insane. That was way back in the days. <laughs> Before, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Can, can you just briefly summarize why that was your perspective back then? Just briefly. Mm, about 25 years ago, it felt like you needed to control change. That you could test anything, you needed to slow down change so that you could know what you tested. And I was convinced for some reason that instead of giving me the control that I now know it gives me, that it was taking away all the control that we thought we had back then. And I was convinced it, it was the worst idea ever for a while. And it's fine that I... I was wrong, <laughs> but I have so many of these examples where uh, something that turned out to be kind of core to the way that I think of things after I, I kind of, you know, give it a chance and, and, and learn more about it. Now that was what took me uh, uh, into more programming as well. So a lot of times uh, the idea of, of judging something you have never experienced, uh, well, it's just not a good way of living. Yeah, I think that reflects back on a lot of things we talked about today. I, but I, I love that. I think that's good advice for anyone listening, anyone who's uh, newer in the industry is you have to get over that fear of trying new stuff. And maybe it fails for you. Maybe it doesn't work. You, you will still learn something. And that's really valuable. I have my other follow-up question to that is, have you tried mob programming or mob testing in a fully remote setting? Or does everyone, does it work better if everyone's actually in the same room? We do a lot of that in remote setting, especially nowadays when <laughs> people are just there, forced there, to... There's remote. definitely context for my question. Yeah. So 
I've definitely experienced that it's easier to get started in a room, like reading the room is so much easier. But the basic rules of, of you know, rather having your camera on and making sure it's easy to change who is uh, holding control of the keyboard, uh, you can get it to work uh, remotely quite as, as well as, as, as anywhere else. And again, if you already know how to work with that group, then, you know, it usually works out just as fine in, in a remote setting. Yeah, I'm going to commit to trying that. It may just be a, 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 I don't know if it'll be a feature or a, or a sort of a hack project or something in our deployment pipeline, but I'm going to figure out how we can do that. I think it would be, f- my feeling is I'm a little afraid people would like, I'm not afraid of it working or not. Uh, my fear is I'll, I'll, is that not that I will think it's ridiculous, but everybody I invite to do it with me will think it's ridiculous, but, but I want to try so it anyway. You should join us. Uh, we're trying that next week, uh, Robot Framework Community, which is Finland-based community. Uh, 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 they just created a, a Playwright library. And, uh, well, one of my old colleagues is is working on, on that, that Robot Framework Playwright library. And he was worried that he's not getting any feedback for his library. So I kind of, you know, called it out on him that we could, you know, mop together and let anyone who wants to join us then join us. And this is pretty much how I learn most of my things nowadays. I just go on Twitter and say, hey, I want to do this thing with, with you. Who's volunteering this time? And I've done sessions, both group sessions and pair sessions with people all around the world. I like to think of myself as a lifelong learner. And I, I, I challenge myself to learn new things. I'm learning Rust right now just for the heck of it. But I have never met someone so proactive and uh, I'll say aggressive about learning new things consistently. I, I think a lot of us want to be more like that. That's it's, it's like you don't stop. You don't. You just you. I, I think you're motivated by. Maybe you told me I'm wrong. Like learning for you is a motivator. You're, it, it's dare I say an addiction. It's almost an addiction, yes. <laughs> it's so cool. Uh, and no, I mean, uh, like her last idea, I was just like, for me, <clears throat> so the, the, the mob programming. Um, so I run a data science team, uh, but we do a full stack. So we do data science development and testing now. And this... Uh, one of the one of the speeches I tell my team is the, the three most important things to me are number one business value, number two, uh, in uh, calendar time because uh, it's the one resource that I can't scale. Once it's lost, it's lost. And then lastly, engineering uh, time. And investment in learning is really critical particularly when we're in the the knowledge worker space which all of us are this idea that that okay all three of us have 25 years of experience but this subconscious idea that we all have that any of it is still relevant today is something that you have to battle right it, it, uh, it, I constantly go, okay, this is what my gut says. I should do this. But is it really right? The world's changed. Um, But this idea that you just did around mob programming in an internet context is fantastic because it creates sort of a safe environment. For me, it's, it's the risk adversity. What's the risk I'm taking? I have a big team. If I spend them all on this, 
and it results in an ROI, or it's the risk of uncertainty. But what you just shared is, no, 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 no. Let's find some random open source thing that you love and and call out to Twitter. Hey, does anyone want to try this with me? It then the only thing that it you sacrifice is you know, your time. Um, I, I think that's a fantastic idea. Uh, I think a lot of the new ideas. Uh, I, I think the biggest blocker to learning on this front is risk adversity. People, you know, what happens if it's fear? What happens if we spend that time and it doesn't work? That's what Mar is. Is, is she's fearless? I I think more than <laughs> she's that, she's her head, no, but all right. <laughs> yeah, I think more than that, she's figured out how to sort of with with any sort of agile approach. It's not an all or nothing. It is basically all right. Try a little bit, and then let's let's pivot or let's pivot from those learnings. So she's doing small batch learning. Yeah. So and I'm interrupt you and let Mar close us out here, but. Uh, I mentioned Philip Armour's uh, Five Orders of Ignorance a lot, and they really yep. come down to you need to have, in order to learn, for learning, for knowledge acquisition to happen, you need to have a suitable environment to discover what you don't know you don't know. And these mob programming sessions are a prime example of that. I want to do one last challenge to, to Marit. Not challenging her perspective, it is a I challenge Marit to do this because I think she's one of the few people in the world that can. So you have a lot of experience of exploratory testing. Write a book around exploratory development. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I, I think you understand what that means even more than what I do. But I think that's the thing the world needs. That's my challenge We'll wait a couple of years and see what you do with it. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'm done. So, like I'm a plan. so uh, we need to wrap up here, but man, this has been great. I thank you for, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for letting me ask my own questions. Um, I, I, I feel like it was a good conversation, but what, uh, what message, what other message or something we didn't talk about or, or how do you, how would you like to close out our podcast today? What do you want to say? Oh, that's a hard question. <laughs> now we get the hard one. <laughs> <laughs> hard one in the end, yes. So again, I think all of the stuff that we've been talking about today is really centered around learning and, and trying out different kinds of things. I really loved what Brent was talking about on the short cycles, and I wish we would have had more time to you know geek out on, on the short cycles and how those uh, changed the organization. And what are you doing in two weeks? <laughs> <laughs> Brent, I managed the calendar. But yeah, you're definitely welcome back anytime. All right. We can talk about that then later. But uh, this whole idea of, of figuring out the best ways to learn and, and sharing in the community sense, I think that's kind of my call to action that I always have to people. I don't have all the answers. A lot of the answers that I have nowadays came from people who reached out to me and wanted to have a chat. And, and that's kind of the, the power of, of having people all around the world who want to figure this stuff out. So if there are any people who are kind of into this stuff, I would be happy to, you know, do some work, uh, 
do some mobbing, do some pair programming, do some pair testing, whatever it is, uh, with with random people and be open to learning much more new things uh, in the world as well. I will put links to Twitter, blogs, website, everything I hopefully I remember here. Uh, Mara Puhiyadavi, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, have a have a great uh, weekend. Hopefully the sun stays out. Thanks again for being here, and thanks, Brent, for, for chiming in. Lots of good ideas. I feel like we've only begun to talk, but we can, yeah, we'll, we'll have you back another time. If you have anything else you want to elaborate on, we'd love to have you. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.